Good day, ball boys and girls. Welcome to the FC 13 podcast. This week, it's all about the Canadian Championship again. Ford shit the bed, Toronto nearly shit the bed, and North Toronto are no longer unbeaten. So buckle up, get ready for your source, All Things Canadian. Today I'm joined by the beauties Paul and Michael. Boys, what's going on? Not too, not too much, not too much. Watched the Champions League final there Saturday. Utterly terrifying for Canada, seeing how well Courtois and Modric did. But thankfully, Canadian super fan Ancelotti also did well. So you know, come on board, come on board. Give us some, give us some scouting tips. Give us some scouting tips, Carlo. If you're listening, we're going to need them. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good and fun game. I also like watching Forest play at Wembley this past weekend as well. Oh, spoilers there for Canadians abroad later. So before we ruin too, too much, too, too much, I think what we'll do is we'll jump into our first game, Pacific, York, Canadian Championships. I don't know what to make about this game, personally. It was, um, it was entertaining. Like, I, well, a lot more high scoring than I thought it would be. These are two teams that don't seem to concede a lot of goals. York don't seem to score a lot of goals either. It was um two obviously it was two one. It seemed to calm down after that. You didn't really get a sense of where the goals was coming, especially towards the end, like when you got to about the ninety. Oh, I think we lost him there. Um, yeah, it looks like we got a cut okay. off with Paul. Okay, all right. Well, I think we'll just move on to the next game, I guess. Yeah, and then there was that point where um, Johnny Stoppelis saved the last penalty at the end and just took a bow. And that, like that bit, that was really funny. He had some week, didn't he? What the hell just happened there, Paul? Oh, um, you, you didn't want me to like just randomly cut off and mess the Pacific's equalizer. I, oh. I, I thought people were into that. I thought people paid like a hundred dollars a year for that sort yeah, of thank um, God, no that sort of broadcasting production. Service. Thank God no one's paying for us. Uh, yeah, so jokes aside, everything all said and done. The game ended in a 2-2, came to, came to penalties. Uh, one soccer very graciously let us see that last goal in all of its glory. Um, anyone who didn't see that game, 90 minutes, right? You think done and dusted. 95 minutes come? Okay, this is over. 90 minutes and, and 7 plus? Well, there's your all-important equalizer. <laughs> I love the irony that they cut it out for goals of the month and then you had an absolute goal of the month contender getting scored as a result. <laughs> it was a hell of a strike by Didich. Oh, my God. And I'm sorry. I'm going to say this right now. York can beat Vancouver. I think we've seen proof of this. York is such a good te- uh, team. They played such a good game against the number one team in the Canadian Premier League against Pacific. And uh, you know what? Two wins on two pens. I mean, whatever gets the job done. Congrats to York, and uh, the, the the only shitty part about this is they have to play in Vancouver. I mean, but that's a good stadium, though. Like, they have a lot of the, a lot of advantage kind of going into it versus, you know, Vancouver. If they had to go to York, they would have personally been at a much more of a disadvantage because it's better to go from, you know, from turf to grass than grass to turf. Like, we see this all the time whenever the Canadian national team is playing you know, some some teams in, in the Caribbean where they just have to switch that that sort of surface, it suffers. You know, it's it's a hard transition. Players want to play in the big stage as well. Like, how often do guys at York's level, I don't want to sound like too patronized or anything, but like you see the size of like a lot of stadiums in the CPL, and even the bigger ones, relatively empty. The BP, BC Place is a soccer stadium. Even if there's a crowd of like just about seven or 8,000, that's still a big crowd for them. And they've deserved the chance to have that on a bigger stage. Honestly, speaking of bigger stages, what do we think of Halifax, Toronto? Like, that was something. That's a beautiful transition. (laughs) First off, that crowd in Halifax, good job, guys. Good fucking job. That's what we want to see in this competition and the league in general. And because of that attendance, Halifax is now looking for a bigger stadium. They want 10,000 seats. They certainly did a great advert for it, didn't they? And we'll, we'll have to see how that goes, but I feel like big marquee events like that will help. And I think, like, you know, it was a close game, big, really close game. I think the crowd probably helped spur Halifax on. I Honestly, like, you play this game, like, nine times out of, like, uh, ten times, I think Halifax probably win maybe 
six, possibly seven times based on the run of the game. See, a lot of people are going to sit there and say Halifax deserved that win, and I'm not one of them. I think they deserved penalties. I think they deserved that much at least. But overall, I, Toronto did not play a great game. Halifax played a great game. But when you come level to level, it was a very good game for both teams. Unfortunately, Toronto does come out on top because of our own goal. It sucks, but it happens. I think I think Toronto got their, their rude awakening when they realized that, okay, well, yeah, they're a CPL team, but you can't just take it as, you know, two years ago, sure. You could be like, I'm just going to play my TFC2 guys in reserves. I mean, no, they didn't come out swinging at the start. But they sure as hell had to be like, well, I'm only getting a couple substitutions. We're not winning this game currently. Now I have to now change everything and try to put in some big guns. Well, what if it's not enough? What if someone gets injured? You know, that was a, that was a, a big managerial mistake, at least I think on my part, because he was swinging for the fences, hoping that Vesberg was going to do well, that his younger guys were all going to just really pull their weight. But Halifax quite, quite quickly shut them up. Rampersad and Gagnon Lapierre were like really, really good in that midfield, especially in the first half. It got a bit more competitive when Azorio came on, and we've seen that the toll of the game like took an impact on the, on those two. And I really hope for Halifax's sake they're okay because like their team runs through those two in midfield. So we'll just have to wait and see like what those what those injuries are like. Yeah. Uh, Salter really impressed me in this game as well. Like I've been doubtful of Halifax the attack, but like I really seen something from him today. Thinking he's had a couple of goals now. Like I think he could be that spark going forward. Don't think he's going to replace Morelli, but they might be okay. Salter's been an uh, all star for Halifax right now. I think. I think. I agree. I very much do. I hopefully those injuries aren't going to be long term. I mean. I, I have a fondness for Halifax just as a town. I mean, the way that they sort of welcome Schaffelberg, just just in general, like I personally don't have it, uh, an, an investment in the CPL right now from where I'm living. So to see them go far, I genuinely hope that they're that they're doing well for the injuries and that's not going to be a long term because the CPL season doesn't give you a lot of time, room or wiggle when it comes to your players for an injury like that. So oh, at least God. Halifax has a week off, though, so that kind of gives them a little bit of a break. Yeah, but, you know, a week off for the MLS and a week off for, for CPL are very different. At least in the MLS, you get your team doctors and physios and this and that. CPL, some of the teams like Edmonton, I'd be surprised if they even have someone qualified with first aid to look at you. Like, uh, barely. <laughs> you know, like Steve, I, I just had got off his shift at McDonald's, is now going to come by and possibly put some ice on there and be like, Ah, you're good. Go back in the field. He's been trained with the, the spray that they put on the players. They have a guy coming off, like, you've been allowed to use the spray. He goes, yeah, I've sprayed paint some things before. <laughs> you just start spraying. We're going to wrap this in before we get way too disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Edmonton. We do. Um, we, we feel for you. I mean, speaking of Edmonton, let's talk about that Calvary-Vancouver game. It's another penalty game <laughs> that ended 1-1. Like... What's going on? They already lost that series against the Oilers. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, but um, that that was um a bit of a funny game to watch. Like uh, Vancouver, like very much, I thought were the better team for most of it. But like Cavalry did have their flashes, where like looking back at it, they think they could. They're going to think they won. Obviously, they scored first. Some goal, by the way, really good goal. And in that manner of they were just five minutes away, well, in regular time of escape, of, like getting that win, I think Vancouver deserved to win, but Calvary are going to be really annoyed at how that game ended. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Calvary had it. When that goal went in by Beaven, um, what a strike as well. Um, I, th I think they had it, and it's so unfortunate that they go out, potentially because of an own goal. Obviously, Vancouver didn't pens. But so the Calvary could go into whatever game they go into. It's Vancouver has still not beat us. They haven't. That's three games now where Vancouver cannot beat Calvary. I don't give a shit. In Penn, sure. Penn's is Penn's. I could go anywhere. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you go up against the MLS team. I think the MLS teams, you do see the quality in the players when it comes to the Pens. You see the power they have, the accuracy they have, which counters the CPL. And at Calvary had that game and they let it slide and to me if that went more 
say they had an overtime before the pants, I think Calvary took that game. I'm not surprised that the penalty quality was good because like we know that after 90 minutes in the Canadian Championship, we go into penalties. And both teams did admit they've been practicing penalties because when you don't have that extra time, obviously there's a much higher chance that's going to happen. Honestly, the only penalty I thought that was poor was the one that actually got saved. The rest of them, a lot of the time, even when the goalkeepers dive the right way, they're just so much in the corner, you just can't reach them. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, penalties are a crapshoot. Like Michael pointed hmm. out, penalties are kind of a crapshoot. You're going left or right, and at the keepers basically just hoping left or right. Does it, you know, experience does help in how far you go left or right when you make your dive, but you are still kind of kind of guessing in that. But the regular game in and of itself, I mean, 19, nine shots to 18 shots, like two to five on target. So something's going on. Like the, the defense for Calvary was, was the star of the show. Like they were the ones kind of stopping this from being an absolute blowout, in my opinion. The defense has been a much better thing since Cardiff got in there. I don't know if it's like a communication thing, like a chemistry thing, but they don't, like I noticed that like they've been seeing less chances more or less in every game as well. They look like a really good back line there. Then and of course, like they are a team I don't think are scared against anybody, whether it's MLS or going away to one of the better teams in the CPL. I mean, once you once you get into the lower leagues, you gotta you have to take it with a grain of salt. Do you play your higher players and risk an injury? Do you play your lower players and risk getting blown out? I mean, speaking of lower leagues. There was a there was a blowout actually in League One Ontario. We had two teams going into this at the top of the table and were undefeated, both of them. However, now one of them can no longer have that record anymore. Vaughn won that game one nil, and it knocks Toronto's wins like win lossless streak. That's how you say those words. Uh, right out, right out. Yeah, hell of a game. Holy hell, that was a good game. When you go into a League One Ontario match, this is what you want to see. And I just want to give props to the League One Ontario. This is the second time this year that they did a back-to-back with the CPL. So this game was in uh, uh, York Lions Stadium, uh, home of York United, right after the game against um, uh, Calvary. Uh, Calvary. Yeah, so right after Calvary, this game uh, went on. And Again, so much props to the League One Ontario for doing this. Uh, I read an article earlier today that they are planning to do this more. And I, hopefully teams in uh, PSLQ and uh, uh, BC as well are going to start protecting in this as well. So hopefully that'll happen soon, as well as the women's division in League One Ontario. But yeah, hell of a game. Such a good game. I could, you can really see what the crowd looked like a lot of the time because of the way the camera works, but you could certainly hear it. The last 10 minutes of this game were something like so chirpy. I could hear so many just like just random dudes just like cussing at the ref, cussing at managers, like goalkeepers were getting booked for time wasting. That was such a juicy game. Like I want to see these two teams play again. It's great that the stuff that you would generally be annoyed at if it were to happen, you know, somewhere else or in a bigger league, as soon as it hits these lower leagues, you're like, bring it. I am all <laughs> for it. Absolutely. Huck a flare on the pitch. I don't care right now. Like it was like, I, I love the crowd getting into it. But then what a world do you have a goal? League one. Oh, yeah. Like third division down. And by any stretch in any other country, you'd consider it fourth division, fifth division. What a what a shot! The curl yeah. on that thing. Oh, uh, Omar, Omar Marzouk, Marzouk was the one who scored that. Hell of a placement, hell of a shot. And what surprised me was that goal took Toronto out of the game. It's like they stopped pushing. Like this was a back and back game, back and forth. Each team was getting equal amount of chances through the first half, through the first. Uh, I think twenty minutes or so of the second half. Yeah. And then this goal went in, and then Toronto can't stop playing. It's like. You guys are down by one. Where's the energy and the effort that we saw like 20 minutes ago in the whole game? It was like a hockey game before that goal. Yeah, it was so open. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. I think it says something about the fitness levels of that league as well. These teams are able to go at it so much for all that time. Obviously, we've talked about it being pro and amateur, but like you can still train them up to like levels of good fitness. And that was very prevalent, which is like a good sign of where the league is at. And both of them were top teams like i mean 
you get into League One, and we've sort of mentioned it before, there can be some serious disparities, and we don't know whether it's coaching, we don't know whether it's players, it's, it's there's so many variables. But when you're looking at two of the teams that are basically kind of top of the league of a fairly large league, there's 22 teams in there, and I, I might be off by one team, but I believe there's 22 teams in that league. That's a lot. So to be sitting mm-hmm. both teams near the top, a lossless for five, six games in in, in technically what is basically a league where most of it's going to be pretty close because nobody's coming in there spending $400,000 on players. Like, that's just not happening. I don't even know whether or not there even is salary caps or what's going on with it. So to see those two teams and one of them just drop off as soon as someone hit a worldly, that's that was a little disheartening. But, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, right? up, in, up until then, though, it was good. Oh. Yeah, coming into these games, you never know – if it's just going to be like a slow pace uh, ship for show, but holy hell, no, this game, it lived up. And this is what you want to see at all levels of soccer, honestly. Yeah. And if I anyone wants to go watch foot. it, head over to YouTube. That game is still up there, still right and ready to go. But I mean, you know, that's about all the time we're going to have to talk about League One any more than that. And we might as well just turn this into a League One podcast one day. Uh, for now, let's talk about the news. What's new in Canadian footy? And I know... Paul, even though my showrunner here, I wrote down the wrong goddamn name, but Paul has got some power rankings to talk about. <laughs> I love it to be very self-indulgent, ladies and gentlemen. I wrote an article for 13 Man Sports. You can find that website. You just type it into any search bar and you can um, find those articles for free. <laughs> I, um, I did a power rankings article looking at these teams a quarter of the way through the season. I'm just going to list off what the CPL power rankings through week seven were and then compare them to my own. So the CPL official power rankings through week seven were Pacific, Cavalry, Atletico Ottawa, York, Forge, Valor, Halifax, and Edmonton. And what I had was Pacific, Cavalry, York, Forge, Atletico Ottawa, Valor, Halifax, Edmonton. So I think we have a consensus of who like the top sort of two teams are in this league and who the sort of bottom teams are. It's just that middle section, it seems to be like any week that can change, like who's third and who's like fifth. It's it's really difficult to get a gauge on it right now. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I think I agree with you for the most part. Um the middle of the table, you can flip a coin. Because mm-hmm. that's gonna change game in and game out, or not honesty. Uh, it was only last week where well, it was the number two, the seventh were all time in points. So, I mean, it just shows how tight this, this league is. Um, I will agree a little bit more on the side of the CPL. I think Ottawa deserves a little bit more love, but I totally understand why you put Forge below, above them, sorry, uh, considering they played one last. Yeah, my reason for it was like two of Galetico's wins were against Halifax and Edmonton. And when I've got them as the two bottom teams, I feel like I couldn't really justify them being that much higher given their um the strength of the victory so far. Keep in mind this is through week seven, so like I I would have York lower than I do now. They've gone three games without winning, but at the time defense is looking strong, they don't lose that many games. Uh it's just like the more I try and think about this, the more I'll be like want to change my mind on the spot though, honestly. I mean, you're really gonna go like it, it, the middle is always hardest in a power ranking. Mm-hmm in any regard but the cpl is is so much like the emphasis of that because you've got pacific way on the top edmonton way on the bottom like yeah, i love everyone it. else is within a point or two so yeah i think i think york was another one you could make an argument for um you did this for week seven and you said you would mm-hmm. have them a lot lower now which again i understand but i think york has the potential of being higher um, you look at the, I, I think the last two games they've lost in this season, they were late goals that can't put them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think York are playing better than what their numbers show. Yeah, because it's an eight-team league as well. Like I feel like I can't have a team like who have lost, like haven't scored in three games and have not won in like a bit of a while. I can't really justify having them third when there's teams like behind them who have won more games. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I think they're better than York. Like, I'm actually pretty high on York this season. So am I. And I think York can have a deep run. I've said that multiple times on this. I think York has a good chance of beating Vancouver in the third round of the Canadian Championship. I think York, 
can and will surprise a lot of people, but they need to get their act together up front because I think overall their game is fine. They just need to find a way to get those goals more so to DeRozio in the box a little bit, uh, more opportunities for him, and get Lowell Wright into the game. Wright has been disappointed for me this season. Yeah. I don't think he's scored or maybe like one. Um, I don't have that information in front of me. Don't think I just he has. Want, I- personally want to see at least some some one anyone from from ottawa like valor your i just want to see one of them pick up the slack because i don't want to see by end of july pacific's run away with it like again like as a neutral in in watching the league i don't want to see one of them just completely running away with it and now you're just basically like great well let's see who's ranging for second place I will say one thing to remember about Pacific, sorry, is they've played a lot of games at home. Yeah, so we we, we always got to play a lot of games away, obviously. So like we could be looking at a very different table like in a couple of weeks time as a result of that, depending on how their away form stands up. Not only that is in a couple of weeks, they will be starting cocking off league soon. So Ah, expect Pacific to start dropping points. They may run away with it right now, but this might get a lot closer near the end of the season. And I'm all for it. I am all for it. I think it creates a much more interesting, you know, atmosphere, a much more interesting thing to watch than just being like, oh, well, you know, Pacific's run away with it. Because, again, as as much as it sucks, Fords has dropped off. I was really happy to see, like, not a dynasty issue where it's just same team winning again and again and again. That makes it makes a new league unwatchable. I know that's the standard now of every big league around the world, but. It makes a new league kind of hard to watch. I mean, talking about those big leagues around the world, since every all of them have kind of ended up now, like we're now in in European cutoff territory. Let's talk about some of the Canadians that have done quite well abroad. Yeah, I'm going to be self-indulgent again. You can't stop me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring in an article this week looking at some of the core players in the Canadian squad and their, um, their seasons abroad. So... Like the players included in that would be, uh, for example, Afonso Davis from Bayern Munich. We know his season kind of got derailed halfway through. He had COVID issues that led to like some after effects, which kept him sidelined for a couple of months. Wait, who's but that? it's easy to forget. Like he, who, 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 who's that? I've never heard I, of him. Alfonso, Sorry. yeah, Alfonso Davis. Did I get the name mixed up? Did I, um, yeah. did I make a mistake? Oh, I no, see what I'm you're never doing. Heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you all about him. He had 31 assists for Bayern Munich this year. Had six assists. He was in the he was on the November Player of the Month in the Bundesliga, plenty of Champions League appearances. He was in the EA Team of the Year for the in the Bundesliga, and he's just continued to go on strength from strength as one of the best left backs in the world, alongside him in terms of Champions League experience. That's a that's that's a really good point. Like to talk about, there's a lot of players for the Canadian team got a lot of European experience. Jonathan David scored like he was on fire at the start of the season, cooled down a bit, like 12 goals in his first 19 appearances, but he only finished the season with 15 goals in um, league on. But he did score three goals in the AFA Champions League to help Leo get into that last 16 and take them that next step. They've had a bit of a disappointing season. It's a bit of a worst-kept secret that um, Jonathan David's going to be moving on to another club, who that club is. We don't quite know yet. Get ready for a summer of fun on that one. We got Stefan Eustachio, who started the season off with, apologies if I get this wrong, Pacos de Ferreira. Started the season, actually, a lot of people probably forgot about this. They played Spurs in their Europa Conference League qualifiers, and they actually won the first game 1 0. All right, they lost the other game 3 0, but that's a pretty impressive scalp. Eustachio's form was good enough for him to get like a move to Porto. He didn't get a lot of minutes there. I think he totaled about 83 minutes for Porto this season, but he still played a he's, significant he's chunk. He's still of... there, though. Like, that's what exactly. matters. Like, he's he's at one of the top teams in Europe by by merit, by history. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still huge. There's nothing... If he is just a squad player at Porto, there's honestly nothing wrong with that. He's still going to get plenty of appearances. And you know what? He's racking up the trophies. He won, a, he won the league in Portugal, and he won the cup in Portugal as well. And um, he certainly had a better season than Stephen Vittoria did in Portugal, who un- unfortunately got relegated. So could be could always be worse. Yep. We um we had the Besiktas duel of Kyle Lara and Atiba Hutchinson. 
Laren isn't the main striker at Bishop's Casa. It's um, Batshuayi who gets most of the appearances, but he's still able to total eight goals. Again, he got a goal in the Champions League against um, Sporting Club de Portugal. He got a brace against Kalatasaray, who anyone who knows anything about Turkish football knows that that is a big fixture between those two. Meanwhile, Hutchinson just keeps plugging along. Like, we need to give this man like some sort of DNA test. Are we sure he's 39? Are we are we sure that a team of Hutchinson is actually 39? I I he may not be. They might just be finding people who look so close to him and then just subbing him out every <laughs> like 10 years. Because this is this is just getting much. I mean, if he were second league, you know, Turkish football, I'd be like, you know what? I understand why they're playing him. You know, it's, he's the top of Turkish football while Anyone listening who doesn't really care much about European football might not know. It is a genuinely competitive league, and it is a genuinely competitive league internationally, and Besiktas is one of the top teams. So how the hell is this man still going as strong as he is? I struggle to get out of bed. Seriously, I get winded. (laughs) Like, going to the fridge, opening that door, that's like nine steps. That's one too many. Like, I don't get it. The stats I have on Hutchinson were like, so he had 32 appearances, which, yeah, I, I, I got nothing. I can't explain that. Three goals and three assists. I would say he did have a bit of a five problem at times. He missed a couple of games throughout the season. That might be something to keep an eye on, but I imagine, you know, we're going to just keep him wrapped in bubble wrap the closer we get to Qatar. We also had um, Tejon Buchanan making a step into Europe. Obviously, like, he was playing for the New England Revolution in the MLS in 2021. Late so outstanding season for him got plenty of goals plenty of assists like loads of accolades takes a trip over to Belgium bit of a slow start but he actually played a pretty crucial role in getting them to win the title and then Milan Borgian wraps it all up of also winning a league and cup double and even scoring a penalty I mean and those are the big boys like so those are the ones that most people who are at least familiar with Canadians abroad are going to know uh I know Michael he kind of comprised the list too, sort of in our chat when we were talking about making this episode earlier. And it was kind of some players who aren't on everybody's list, but kind of should be. Is that a dig? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think one player that, yeah, I think one player that everyone looks at on Canada's <laughs> roster is Liam Miller. Um, so Liam Miller uh, made the move to Basel uh, last offseason, playing in Switzerland. And he had an amazing year, playing in 31 games, scoring seven goals. Um, unfortunately, he was not one player, I believe, called to Canada's roster this upcoming window, which surprised me. Uh, we also have Ike Ugbo, plays in France, helped uh, the team Troyes, I believe it's pronounced, uh, escape relegation. I don't know if he's going to be there next year. He may make a move somewhere else. I believe he was only there on loan. Um, a big one that I'm watching this offseason is Theodore Corbinu, again, a regular on Canada's lineup. Not called to this window, was not called to the last window because he actually declined the offer. Uh, but this past season, he was a League One in England, played with MK Dons and Sheffield Wednesday. Either way, he did not get promoted. Yay, Sutherland. <laughs> um, sorry, Canada. Uh, but Thanks. he is. Be- Thanks, you've doomed us. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> um, he is actually in the talks of a new contract with Wolves. So we could have two players in the Premier League next year from Canada. The other one obviously being Richie Larea, who just got promoted with Nottingham Forest. I personally don't think he's going to be there. I believe he's going to be on loan. I think Forest is going to put him another season into the championship. That's just my opinion. We'll see if he makes opinion appearance in the Premier League, though. And another player I think uh, players people should be looking out for is Charles Andre Brim. He was called to this window. You can see him play. I think he's going to play at least sub down against Curacao. Um, he plays in um, second division Netherlands, I believe. Uh, unfortunately, did not get promoted this year, but he appeared in five. Uh, sorry, he appeared in 21 games this past season. And I think he could be also on a big move. I think there is a lot of people worried about Richie Larea going forward in terms of his game time. I'm. As long as he can keep himself fit, I'm okay with it because I think he is like an established like starting fullback for Canada. I don't really see that being in danger. As long as he's able to keep himself fit, which I think he is, like professional athletes today are not the professional athletes of 20 years ago. They keep them, their bodies are temples now. Nottingham Forest, they're gonna have like they'll have League Cup games. 
Premier League games, you're allowed to make a lot of substitutions. There's, I think there will be minutes there for him. Obviously not lots of minutes, but I'm, I'm not too worried about him. My problem with him is his experience overseas. He doesn't have a lot of it. And Forrest is new to the Premier League. The first time they've been there since 1999. Do they want to put this inexperienced left back, or sorry, right back, uh, in the Premier League when he doesn't have much experience in the championship? If I'm Forrest, I put him on a half-season loan, see how he's doing, see how we're doing, and then maybe call him back. But if not, leave him there for a year. It's not going to hurt him. I, I got to I gotta agree with Michael, and like I, I think that might even be better. Instead of them bringing him on from Toronto FC, all of us getting kind of really hopeful about it, him not playing any minutes, and then what are you going to do? Like go up a league and and this like that's like trying to race for F you know F two Formula Two, not racing at all that season, and then being like, well, here's your F one car, go, good luck. It it just doesn't make any sense. Sit him down there, let him run amok. Look, we're not we're not tied to it. We're not all like. Forest. It's not like Forest moved from Brampton over to, to England. So if he spends time down there and then he just shines and another team comes by and says, no, we want him. Well, it's great. That's perfect because he wants to play. At the end of the day, he wants to play fit or not. It's match fitness is what matters, right? We don't want him coming into the World Cup and being like, I haven't played in 300 days. Like it just it wouldn't make any sense for us. So whatever it is that he gets, as long as he gets playing time, I'm super happy with it because he, you know, in scenarios like the Canada ran to electric boogaloo, it would have been really happy to have someone like that because boys moving on to that fun saga that we just talked about last week. What a shit show. We need to get music for this section. We need to get some, we need to get the Canada Iran section. It could just be the clown music. (laughs) So I, I guess to um, for anyone who's missed this, since we talked about it last week, the fixture between Canada and Iran has indeed been cancelled, which took us all by surprise. We all we all thought the time for that had gone. Since then, like it's been a bit he said she said. I've heard things that like the Canada Border Agency hasn't quite made a decision yet about whether to give them visas. I've heard things about the players didn't want to go through with the fixture. I'm not quite sure what the defining reason was here. All we know for sure is um, like Canada are now down one World Cup preparation game and the CSAF came out looking very bad over this. Not just that, but money. Like Iran oh, yeah. is entitled to money because that's... Friendlies or not, what people don't realize is that it is a competitive fixture in a sense. Friendlies do count towards standings. So people need to understand that. While the World Cup's coming up, Iran's qualified, we've qualified. But friendlies count towards standings. So when they do these friendlies and they set them up internationally, there is a contractual obligation. And now the CSA is on the hook for that and could be on the hook for more depending on what people don't realize that, oh, well, they don't have it. They can't pay a dime. They could be on the hook for more than what we think. Yeah, Canada was uh, set to uh, pay them 400000 uh, I believe, American dollars for them to come over and play the fixture. And now that they cancel it, Iran is um, apparently suing the CSA. I saw for $10 million U.S. dollars is what they're asking for. I mean, that relax. I mean, I, that, boys. I mean, it could be a sense of they're going to try to go high and get somewhere in the middle ground. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Uh, I think this it's just a joke overall. Like, when I woke up and saw that game, uh, the match canceled, I lost it. I was absolutely pissed. I think it was just dealt so poorly. The back office work that should have been done was not dealt. Uh, the people threatening to protest the game, the players saying they don't want to play it anymore because of everything that's happening around it. Uh, Canada's prime minister and Trudeau stepping up and saying fucking nonsense, in all honesty. He's trying to clear his hands of something nobody even asked him about. Um, it, it was a whole joke, and... I understand Iran being pissed off because all of Canada's pissed. It's not just Iran. It's not just their team. It's We're all pissed as well. It was just poor organization. should have never happened. And now Canada's down a game, and it fucking sucks. I'm just going to say for the record, because we will get like um, someone complaining about it somewhere, that he was indeed, a journalist did indeed ask him what he felt about the fixture of Justin Trudeau. And um, that's when the fallout came about, okay, like, um, sorry. Yeah, whether this, this, um, this is a yeah, CSA issue. Thanks. 
Sorry. Thanks, man. Sorry, what I meant to say was no one gives a fuck what you think about this scenario, buddy. That's what, that's well, what I meant. But, but everything aside, what people need to realize is that, we, okay, well, oh, it's a Ren's piss. Who cares? You got to remember, we're down a fixture, but so are they. Like, that's why mm-hmm. they're angry. It's not just about, oh, well, they didn't get some playing time. Whoop-de-doo. They're also genuinely looking at this as a World Cup qualifying friendly. Like, they're, they're looking at it as a way to train for the World Cup, the upcoming, where in legitimate possibility they could at some point face each other based on the progression standings. Like, I'd have to double check. But they're now out of game. So how do you find another country that are all... Now trying to go to the ball and find a dress for it. Now they have to rush out and find one. What are you going to do? And this all comes into like, like we obviously like we don't know what the long term ramifications are. One of them very much could be like our team's going to want to play Canada in friendlies where stuff like this could happen. Canada in a football context is a very far away part of the world to get to. Teams in Europe, Asia, Africa, it's a very long flight, especially to Vancouver. Like, for me, coming from Glasgow to Calgary, for example, that takes me a whole day. Never mind getting from, like, Iraq to Vancouver. Iran, sorry, to Vancouver. Sorry, Iran. Iran. <laughs> yeah. And well, obviously, you know, we, we, everyone's a bit... It's, we're all we, a little we bit on edge. But it's not just the travel time, too. It's also... And someone brought this story up, too, about Argentina and, and Israel not playing a game. In what world... Do you, as someone who semi-watches sports, think we have any, any clout whatsoever to put us on the level of Argentina and Israel, who is constantly nibbling at the bits with competition miles ahead? We're playing Curacao. We're playing countries where not a single person in that country is a professional player. So we are such a small fish in the pond. That who in, in their right mind, if we're like, OK, well, we just don't like you. We're not going to play against you. It's just it's going to make it really hard for us to pick and choose battles, because if we play against Israel, then you've got a whole swash of countries who aren't going to want to play you. So like where where do you draw the line? I think we've we've, we've definitely covered it to death. And I, I just honestly think. I'm not looking forward to the fallout and we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, time for me to get angry about other things. Michael, you want to explain our game? Penalty quiz out. Well, can we not go back to Canada, Iran, please? <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm... actually, we'll just spend the rest of the podcast on that. God, I hate this game. Uh, oh. No, I've already said too much. As Paul pointed out, people are going to attack me for my comments about Trudeau there. So I'll shut up now. Um <laughs> Now we can all be angry at the game. <laughs> exactly. So here we go. We got the uh, quiz shootout, whatever we call it. I can't remember the name. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not winning it. He's only I'm not host winning the it show. anyways. He's literally only one of three. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the game goes like this. I ask Paul and RJ questions up to five. Question one is worth one. Question two is worth two and so on and so forth. There can be bonus questions. So uh, starting it off. Uh, Question number one, who started the game with the armband for Montreal? Who was the captain for Montreal when the match started? Number two, David Schwanier and Matthew Schwanier brothers played each other in this match. What number does each brother wear? And bonus point, if you can tell me what they add up to. Number three, what company is Tristan Henry's gloves, his goalie gloves? Who makes his goalie gloves? Number four. What city from Quebec was the ref from? And number five, between the two benches, there was a cameraman down at the middle, and his camera usually pointed towards the right side. So I think he was trying to film the benches, but he was wearing a penny. What color penny was he wearing? I hate you. I hate you with every fiber of my being right now. I hate you. This is so much oh, more fun when I was hosting. This is the worst. Okay, well, Canada and I ran. Um, <laughs> like... Okay, well, speaking of that, we'll go to uh, ad break while me and Paul pull out our hair, and we'll be back. So last week we had a bit of um, Andre being able to go after Michael proved to be somewhat advantageous. So the format for this week and going forward is we're going to do like a coin flip system beforehand, and whoever wins that gets to choose for what if they want to go first for like the 
questions one, three, and five, or if they want to go first for questions two and four. So you have a, do you have a ceremonial coin, Michael? Yeah, 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 I got a coin. All right, Andre, what you got? Heads. Heads. I'll, I'll, I'll take tails. Tails? <laughs> you sure? You don't want a third option? Uh, I'm not confident about it, but I guess I'll go for it. We got tails, ladies and gentlemen. Paul, would you like to go first or second? I would like Andre to go first for um, questions one, three, and five. One, three, and five. All right. Andre, who started the game for Montreal as captain with the armband? I'm going to go with Samuel Piet. And Paul? I had Majevich. And that's one point for Andre. It was Piet. What's the point in this advantage, man? <laughs> So, Paul. I'm dancing a little bit because I got the easiest fucking question in the game. Paul, the Schwarnier brothers played each other. What number for Forge is David Schwarnier? And what number for Montreal is Matthew Schwarnier? And a bonus point if you can do the math correctly and add up those two numbers for me. I want to see David Schwarnier is number seven. Um, and for his brothers, about a stab in the dark, 23. So, 30. All right, Andre. Well, my answer was also seven, except my next was 18, so I'm saying 25. All right, so I'm going to give you each a point for number seven on David Schwanier. For Matthew Schwanier, where's number 29? So oh. it comes up to 36. So I'll give you closest, each a point. Cl closest answer, closest answer there, good sir. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I very distinctly remember Paul's very abrupt. Guys, I know it's hard. This is a time-sensitive podcast, but please go back. Even just listen to the game and listen to it suffer. Paul had a very nice and very quick response when we talked about closest, which was no. <laughs> so back to Andre. Number three, what company is Tristan Henry's glove for Forge FC? Uh, honestly, I'm five foot six on a good day and i stay so far away from the net that the second glove manufacturers come into my head i'm like i don't even know who makes keeper gloves so i'm just gonna wing it and say uh macaron all right paul i don't know the answer so i'm gonna say the same in case he's right god fucking damn it's it. rg rg that's definitely uh, a real company <laughs> it, it is. I Googled it to make sure those weren't some like phony gloves. No, I've just never heard of them before. It must be up and coming. You could have told me Nike and I'd be like, I don't know. All right, Paul. This one might be a little bit hard for you being from Scotland and all. But what Quebec City was the ref from? It was like literally, I know, like four. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. All right, Andre. I'm from Canada and I know like four. I also wrote down Gatineau. That, that is unfortunate because it is Drummondville. Oh, Dr no, I do actually know Drummondville. No. Okay, I, I do genuinely like that town. Now, if you, watch, if you watch the game, they did say it. They said where each officiator was from. And that's yeah. where I got the idea for that that's, question. That's the game. That's why I hate this game. I watched this game and I still didn't know. Now, I doubt myself. Did I watch this? <laughs> yeah. Back to Andre. This game there is basically just gaslighting the game. <laughs> there was a cameraman down at the uh, between the benches during the match, uh, and he was wearing a penny. What color was it? I wrote because uh, I honestly I didn't even see that, so I wrote purple. All right. I can't say purple because I need to get the points here. Uh, I'm gonna go with blue. And today's winner. With the score two to one, Andre. Oh, the color was green. Now there was a person on that field with a purple penny, but it was not the cameraman. Oh well, I mean, bonus. That's point. a real quest. No, I'm not gonna get that. Um, well, no, so you win two one, and Andre wins again. Just running away with this. Call me Real Madrid because I'm just faking it till I make it. Michael, oh, you and I need to get in cahoots or something. Every week we sit down and think of questions because we're like, how do we top last week's? And then we think of the most random shit to throw back at you. It's, it, I, I genuinely hope you guys are playing at home because it is, it, I hate this game. Like we thought of it, we're like, that's great. This will be fun. And then 
watching the games are not fun because you're not watching the game. You're like, okay, guy in section 13, row five, seat three. What is he wearing? I no idea. That's going to be the question because he's going to be the guy in seat four. There was one question I wanted to do was what no, what jersey was this guy wearing in this row or whatever? I just could not find a jersey clear enough to do it. <laughs> We're not going to give it away right now, but we we have been discussing what the punishments are going to be, and seeing as we have an idea of what they're going to be, yeah, no one wants to lose us. <laughs> no, that's why I'm currently happy with my league title standing, standing. Knock on wood. But speaking of, what a game that was. Honestly, I we we were hoping for a different outcome, but. God, that was some interesting showing from Forge. Yeah, I just want to go on and say sorry. I put I picked this one as team uh, game of the week because I thought it would be entertaining. I thought Forge would show up. Unfortunately, they didn't. It was pretty dull, pretty disappointing efforts from Forge. There was moments of the game where they did come through and look like they could generate a little bit of something. But Montreal's defense was just shutting them down left, right, and center. And I just want to give a huge shout-out to Joel Waterman. What a game. That guy was on fire. And if the, I don't know how this guy has not got called to Canada yet. He deserves it. He may be we, we, don't, we won't know how close he is until he is eventually picked. Um, I think this... Yeah, Montreal had a lot of players out for this game. They rested Mihalovic, Miller, Johnston, Wanyama, Kyoto. So it's a bit of a shame that Forge basically doesn't show up in the first half. They were getting cut cut open really quickly, just falls in behind every single time. It, it reminds me of the Champions League games at the start of the year, actually. Yeah, that's a good know. point. I, um, it, that, that, that was a disparity showing. Like, that was what mm-hmm. you thought was going to happen in the other games. Like, you were kind of thinking, okay, well, Halifax, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver. This is what it's going to look like. But it just didn't manifest itself. They ran away with it, and oh, oh boy. If Montreal didn't shit the bed on some of those shots, like if they didn't, if they didn't just absolutely botch some shots, it would have been like a seven nothing game because some of those they had such good clearance, they had such good run ups, they just absolutely launched it to Jimmy up in section thirteen in the top. So had they not just botched some of those shots, this would have just been one of the worst blowouts, and that would have done a number on Forge's confidence easily. Yeah. I think Probably. we are looking at the best team in Canada, aren't we? In Montreal. Oh yeah. I I, I, I feel like it's, I feel like I'm pretty much staying the obvious. So like Nancy there is um put together a really good team. The I think I don't think it's like a big hot take to say they're going to be like in the MLS playoffs at this rate. I I think the Canadian Championship is very much theirs to lose at this point. Yeah, I agree. I I, I 100% agree with that. And I've been saying on the podcast, I think almost every episode I've made some comment about how good Montreal is. And I swear, people, I am not a Montreal fan. I don't like Montreal as a whole. Uh, but it's hard to deny how good they are. And, you, I mean, you just look at their team. How many players go to Team Canada or other international countries? I mean, the the the, the product is on the field, and it's an example of how good they are. This is, this is their game. Like, this is their trophy. I mean... Toronto have won it their fair share. At the end of the day, like when you think of the Voyagers Cups, you just generally think of Toronto-Montreal. But Montreal, I believe, has won it more. It's just their competition. So seeing them kind of go through like that, while not necessarily disappointing, it is for me. But from a neutral perspective, it's kind of expected. And we know they're going to go forwards. So we're going to end up with another Montreal-Toronto showdown, just like normal. But at least it's not a final. So, you know, we're going to hope we're going to get something. We might get something spectacular happening. I do love to see when the CPL teams go forwards because it's it's everyone likes to see it. it's underdog story. But I mean, we'll see what kind of goes on next week's though game. I know we want to talk about more because the guys are like bargaining on me. We're running a little bit of time next week's game of the week, guys, which is the game you want to watch. If you want to take part in our horrific game is going to be the Voyagers Cup final. It was supposed to be played two years ago, but it is being played now between Forge FC and Toronto FC. So at least this is being played. Someone is going to get to lift that trophy. It's going to be a team who would desperately love to have it in their cabinet between a team who doesn't give a shit. Yeah, and just just like our game, this game means absolutely nothing. So <laughs> have fun watching it, enjoying it. 
I mean, again, I, it's great to see the game being played. It's great to have more games, as Andre said before on the podcast, while I totally shit on this game. Um, but it, it, this could be history in the making for the CPL and for Forge. So I hope they have fun with it, enjoy it, because this could be the only time these players are really at this point of our tournament. I was thinking about this, like sort of precedent for these like delayed cups. And although it still happened the same year, but I remember a couple of years ago when the pandemic happened, Celtic ended up playing Hearts in the 2020 Scottish Cup final that December as opposed to the usual May. And a big part of the reason why I, I wasn't honestly that excited about it was Celtic were in a terrible run of form. Like they'd lost the league by October that time. It kind of just felt like this is just going to, if we win, this is just going to be justified keeping the manager on and like keeping the band together when we've got to rip up and start again. So I, I don't know, Andre, do you think there's a case of that? Like winning this cup might be the worst thing that happens to Toronto, Toronto away, getting like a false sense of confidence? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I think this is based on how little they're even worrying about promoting it. I'm going to be surprised if we even have people showing up because. The game, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to watch, is going to be on the 4th of June. Well, our Canada-Iran game was going to be on the 5th. So, like, there's going to be international call-ups. They're doing it in that time. That's how little it sort of matters. What will be nice is is you're going to see a lot of people who aren't getting call-ups that you haven't really heard of from Toronto who are going to genuinely try to lift a piece of silverware. So you're not going to have Pozuelo there who's lifted bigger silverware. You're not going to have... Michael Bradley there, who's lifted bigger silverware. You're probably going to have players there who this is going to be their only piece of silverware. So, you know what? I'm, I'm excited for the game either way. It does mean nothing. Just like our game, it's going to be fun for someone, right? But honestly, I think that's all the time we have for today's show. Uh, I genuinely want to thank everybody listening. I want to thank Paul. I want to thank Michael. Well, I want to thank Paul. Michael, you suck for that questions. <laughs> You won. You fucking won. <laughs> Doesn't mean it hurt. Okay. Doesn't mean it didn't hurt. <laughs> but from everyone here at the FC 13 podcast, I want to thank you for tuning in. Tuning in next week. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to give us a five star or at least just DM me and tell me how horrible I am to listen to. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll tune into you next week. Yep. If you like us, give us a five-star review. If you don't, give us a painfully honest uh, message in our DMs. <laughs> I've been Paul. And this is Michael. Thanks so much. <laughs>